Hey, Sean. Hi, David. <laughs> Don't you hate when you are hanging out on the couch or on your living room floor or in your basement or wherever, and you just get the urge to play a game of your childhood? And, you know, you're just like, I remember having this game for my Super Nintendo. And I know that I have a Super Nintendo somewhere and you spend hours searching for the single box somewhere hidden in your house where your Super Nintendo was only to find it. But then you can't find that game that you knew you had because your mother got rid of it. (laughs) It got garage sale. (laughs) It got garage sale. And then you go, you know what? It's probably on uh, a virtual console, right? On the Nintendo Switch because they got a ton of stuff on there. And then only to find out that is it is one of the few games that Nintendo refuses to bring to the virtual console. I see what you're saying. So you want to play Mario Kart Double Dash. <laughs> that is exactly what I'm saying. Why has Nintendo not brought the best Mario Kart game to the Nintendo Switch yet? Well, we can find out that and more on this episode of the Scene On Screen Podcast. Hey, whether it's your favorite tabletop adventure, movie, or video game, we've got you covered. Welcome to the Scene On Screen Podcast with your hosts, Sean and David. Nintendo! power that's right david and i here (laughs) have decided you know what screw news screw catching up we are going to talk about nintendo i mean you you could have put a pun on it because we're going to be talking about the nostalgia factor of nintendo uh you could have called it nostalgia power yeah, like Nintendo Power, but but I didn't. I was trying to find the audio have. clip where it's like Nintendo Power, and then I mean, explosions. The, the only thing that I have is this world premiere. <laughs> All right, so we're talking about Xbox and Sony. Oh, Xbox and Sony. <laughs> yeah, my PTSD no, this, is like flaring up. <laughs> this episode is all about Nintendo. Uh, for a lot of us growing up, it was Nintendo or Sega. Either you were the family that had the Super Nintendo or you're the family that had the Sega Genesis or you were very lucky and you had both. My family was a Nintendo family. What was yours? Mine was a Nintendo family as well. Right. Uh, My friend down the street had a Sega. And so if I wanted to play any of the Sega games, I'd go down the street to my friend's house. Now, what was your gateway game? What was the first game you played? My very first game that I played, oh, the first game that I can like truly remember playing as a child was the S- Super Mario Bros. slash Duck Hunt combo cartridge on the NES. That's because we're the age where that would have been the most popular game when we were children. Yep. And I also remember, because I get told it all the time, I was a great player too. Or the dog. See, I used to think that I was the ducks and my dad would shoot the ducks and I was the ducks just moving around the screen. That's not the case. I remember having the game. Uh, another one, one was uh, 
was it F one seventeen A stealth fighter? It was like a flight sim game. I played the shit out of that game, but probably my favorite game that I played as a kid that I have like the fondest memories of was uh shit uh, Operation Earth Star or something like that. The um, what the hell was that game? Operation. I played Solar Jetman a lot. Uh. And that game was fun as hell. It was uh, it was definitely different. It was a, a, a sp- like you landed on a, a space or like an abandoned planet and you had to go get fuel mm-hmm. and parts for your ship. Shit, now, for a game that I remember so vividly, I can't remember the, the name of the, the game. Um, Jeez, I'm going to remember it at some point randomly in this episode. And then I, I shut it up. <laughs> I remember that. I remember Destiny of the Emperor. I don't know why I remember that game, but I had it. And I had um, my dad had a copy of Airwolf. And that theme song to this day in 8 bit is my favorite video game sound ever. It, it like it brings me back like nostalgia of just awesome helicopters and it also gives me the 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 nostalgia of not knowing how to play a video game. <laughs> I found it. Destination Earth Star. Oh. I Don't remember know having the yeah, it's uh it's like a space sim game. Like you should check it out on uh anything that you can play NES games on. I was very fond of that one. But today's episode is not so much about what we were fond of. It's more so about how Nintendo has changed or I guess how Nintendo has continued to release games and their their brand is still so much based off of those memories that we have as a kid, the nostalgia factor. When was the last time Nintendo released a brand new IP? A brand new IP that didn't have to do with Mario or Pikachu or Link? Shit, I don't even know. What was I want to say Splatoon. That would actually make a ton of sense. Right? Every single thing, like everything else on the, pretty much from the NES was Kirby, Mario, uh, Legend of Zelda, uh, F-Zero, Star Fox. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. All of these games and these IPs and these characters originated on the NES or Super Nintendo, just like how Sega has their classic characters that originated on the Sega Master System and Sega Genesis. Sony had their uh, classic characters and IPs that started on the Sony PlayStation, right? So why is it like that Nintendo has been able to survive for so long? on just nostalgia alone well my boy it's very simple (laughs) like just think about that like they can release a new zelda game every year and guaranteed people will like absolutely love it right but any other company releases the same franchise every year like ubisoft right with uh assassin's creed you know people would buy them but then it's just like oh another one like another one another one but I mean, Far Cry did do that for a while. 
Um, mm-hmm. EA has been a staple in that with their NHL Madden franchises, um, FIFA as well. But those are sports games. Those are annual games. Makes a ton of sense. The problem with Nintendo gamers specifically, and I'm singling you guys out because we're them too. People go bonkers for the same IPs over and over and over again. Look at what just happened with Tears of the Kingdom. And the map didn't even change from Breath of the Wild. It's just flying and there's new mechanics. Mm -hmm. Sorry, floating. People will go nuts for every single Zelda game, every single remake of a Zelda game. Do you remember when they showed, um, what was it? The remake of Link to the Past on Switch and like the E3 crowd went insane. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I think part of it is because when you were, if you remember playing or your experience playing games on the Super Nintendo or even on the N64, right? We have these memories of these games looking a certain way. Yep. And then when we play them nowadays, they obviously haven't necessarily all aged very well. So when Nintendo releases a game, and we'll take Legend of Zelda uh, Link's Awakening, for example, they re-release that on the Switch in uh, like a chibi kind of 3D style. And yes, it looks 100% different than what Link's Awakening looked like on the Game, game Boy. But if you were to go based off of how you felt about that game when you played it, that is how we saw the game. Yeah. To an extent, right? Like you, we we didn't like notice that it was like a a pixel art, you know, dot matrix screen. We saw the world in its liveliness that Nintendo has managed to recreate in, in 3d. I, I would argue that that maybe started happening in the 16-bit era. The yeah, Link's this, Awakening is kind of a stretch because it was a 8-bit system. But like when it comes to like the Super Nintendo and stuff like that, a little bit more. Yeah, because I, like I was just gonna say, I I remember one time where I was like fully engrossed. Um, we're talking like 16 to 32 bits in our Oracle of Seasons and Ages, right? Mm-hmm. And we're getting remakes of those right now. But I remember looking at that little two and a half inch screen like it was my whole world. Every step, every world, everything you explored was new and crazy and exciting. But we're also in a a time period where Nintendo already manufactured, like they just print money for having their logo on things, right? And look at some of the games that they've re-released in the last little bit. How many copies of The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time do you need? Do you need? Yeah. Or like, like, does Nintendo need to re-release? So they had what? The 64 version, the GameCube version. There was a version you could play on the Wii U. There was a version you could play on the Switch. Well, and you could play, oh, I, I guess, the uh, virtual console, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then they had the Ocarina of Time on uh, 3DS. Yeah. So like, that's five copies. Same game. Of- of one of the best-selling Zelda games of all time, right? It was it's it one was, of the highest-selling games of all time. Yeah, which makes sense, right? Um, you know, we see other companies do that, and people 
complain about it. Cough, it's cough, only Bethesda. Fun. It's only Final Fantasy. <laughs> no, but not even Final Fantasy because Final Fantasy, that's a different kind of beast in itself because yes, there's like 16 games in the mainline series plus, you know, uh, multiple dozens of spinoffs, but each one is just a, a different story. It's not being re-released on multiple consoles in multiple generations, but take Skyrim, for example, right? That game has been re-released how many times and people still buy it, right? Two or two or three. Cause there was the, the remaster in HD, but you've also had like the, the digital versions of like Fallout three Fallout new Vegas, which isn't exactly theirs. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say like the, the digital releases are the same thing, but like, for for Skyrim, it was like the original release. Then they released the remaster, and then they re-released it on PC, and then they released it on now, uh, Nintendo Switch. I'm pretty sure you could buy it in VR as well, right? Like, but people are like, oh, just another re-release of of Skyrim. Like, it's it's a meme on online, right? But when Nintendo does it, it's people people love it. Like, okay, did you buy Ocarina of Time on 3DS? No. Did you want to? No. Okay. Well, I did. So <laughs> because here, I wanted to play it on 3ds. You I, guys I are gonna, to go. I might lose my my membership to the gaming society. Did you even have a 3ds? I had two of them. Remember, I sold one, and then I was like really bored one one time, so I bought oh, another yeah, so one. Then you bought another. That's right. <laughs> I bought it used. Anyways, I'm not the type of person. Like I will, I will rarely go back and beat full story games more than once. Open world mm-hmm. games is a different story. Linear, not so much. Aside from Ocarina of Time, I've not beaten a single Zelda game more than once. I've not even attempted to play them. Seasons and Ages would be the only thing close to it because the game was pretty much the same there was just some fundamental differences, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm not like other gamers who are like, like I know people who have like replayed tears of the kingdom three, four or five times or not tears of the kingdom breath of the wild. Yeah. And I'm like, how are you doing this? Oh, it's my favorite game. I love playing it. I like to go find all the Korax. Okay. Nobody likes to go find all the Korax seeds. Okay. Don't lie. Yeah. But for me, there is no reason for me to replay one of those games. And this is you and I were talking about this pre-show. I started playing Super Mario RPG a few weeks ago. And I'm just playing it on an SNES emulator. So I'm playing it on. You're not even playing it on the official Nintendo release. Well, I could play it on my Super Nintendo, like my Super Nintendo remix or (laughs) my SNES mix. Yeah. Or I could play it on my my switch or I can play it on my Mio, my Mio. I can like, I don't have to worry about it smashing. If it falls off the bed, I have to worry about that. If I pass out, my switch falls. Yeah. So I kind of like that, that whole setup, but you asked me point blank and you asked me this a few weeks ago um, when we were recording a different episode and you, you asked me again today, like when you finish this, are you going to buy super Mario RPG when it comes out on the switch? And my answer is still no. I can't justify paying seventy nine ninety nine for a game I own on two different platforms. 
because I do own it on the Switch because it comes in my NSO. And I do own it on the Super Nintendo that I purchased when retro consoles were all the rage. And if I don't get a fucking GameCube retro soon, I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah, not going to happen. But like, I have no reason to rebeat it. Like, I'm not rebeating new Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe because I already beat it on the Wii U. Why do I have to beat a game that was on the Switch, then or not the Switch, that was on the Wii, then it was on the Wii U where I purchased it, and then, because you got, I think, Luigi and some of the Toads in that one, and now, or you get the Toads in the Switch version. It's just so confusing. It's the same game over and over and over <laughs> again, and people are like, I need to buy it, I need to play it. And there's collectors out there, like we know, who will buy three, four, five copies of a game because they think, hey, this is going to have resale value. Super Mario All-Stars as an example. That is something I bought. I bought that for A, the nostalgia factor. B, I loved Super Mario Sunshine. I think to this day, it's one Mario game that I've beaten a few times. Do I, did I care for Galaxy? I never played Galaxy because I never had it on my Wii. I bought my Wii for like 60 bucks on Kijiji while we were in college. I bought that to play Wii Sports and Super Smash Brothers. That's yeah. all I cared about. I mean, you owe it to yourself to play Super Mario Galaxy because uh, Galaxy 1 and 2 are some of the best, I would say, some of the best uh, new age or new style uh, Mario games. I loved Odyssey. I thought that story was great. I mean, the story in itself is always the same. Bowser tries to get with Peach. And it's like he used to just kidnap her, but now he wants to like marry her. Just like the movie. The movie was practically the plot of Super Mario 1, Super Mario Brothers, the movie, and Super Mario Odyssey. There's not much difference to yeah, some of the stuff. Yeah. So So, you know, a lot of this this topic kind of came up after the most recent Nintendo Direct. And um where they announced not only just like a remake of Super Mario RPG, but they announced uh, like a re-release of the Batman Arkham collection, right? Yeah. And I know that's not a Nintendo exclusive, but those games came out on like the PlayStation uh, 3 and Xbox 360, right? So they're they're now technically retro games. Um, and then on top of that, we got a new Mario a new Mario game, which again goes back to the classic side-scrolling Mario style. Um, we recently got new Kirby games, right? Which again just follow the same kind of style as the Kirby uh, traditional Kirby games, right? The side-scrolling stuff. That's uh, because the, the open-world Kirby didn't work. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we've every single Yoshi game is now the same thing—a side-scrolling Yoshi game with, uh, you know, like open and exploring new worlds such as uh what was in yoshi's island right on the super nintendo but yoshi's island was oh it was like crayon cartoony whereas was, the, new, but... the new yoshi games are all crafty and wool and they use the x and the y right but the thing is is that the first yoshi like yoshi's island was crayon cartoony like hand-drawn stuff but when you think about it that is still kind of like a real world object created universe. Yeah. 
right? So either they have uh, Woolies, Wolves, Wool World, like Woolies World, yeah, <laughs> Yoshi's, Yoshi's Woolly World. World, or there's the craft one where it's like all cardboard and like craft objects and stuff like that. Um, you know, like the Yoshi games themselves kind of have been sticking with uh, a real world object level design. Yeah, also um, underrated platformers. Yeah, super accessible for, for for pretty much people of all gaming skills level. The only thing that uh, Nintendo hasn't really touched, like gone back to is, uh, and Sean, I know this one's a, a, a sore spot for you, is a 3D Donkey Kong. The last time we received an actual like Donkey Kong game was uh, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. Which was a side-scrolling adventure. Which was a side-scrolling game originally released, uh, originally released on the Wii U, and then remade for the Switch, right? Um, and like so, Donkey Kong games, never had a story. No, not right? really. Like, like, like the first Donkey were, Kong, what was it? The uh, Donkey Kong goes into his cabin, and all his bananas are stolen. That yeah, that was Donkey Kong Country. <laughs> that was so that's Donkey not even Country, like the right? first Donkey Kong because the first that's Donkey true. Kong he actually stole the princess yeah. and he fought the jumping Jumpman or yeah, yeah I think it was yeah, called Jumpman jump, which jump turned man. out to be uh, Mario. But when it came to Donkey Kong, the story was established in like the first level, and then you were always getting to the lair at the end of the world. And they're like, ha ha, he's not here. And then you just move on to the next one. And then you'd fight King K. Rool and you'd win. Donkey Kong or Diddy's Conquest, same thing. Except mm-hmm. you no longer have Donkey Kong. You have to rescue Donkey Kong or something, right? Yeah. And then the next one, Dixie's Double Trouble. It's just the same thing over and over. Yeah. And it's, then what, um, what else was there? Uh, F-Zero. F-Zero? Did you know that F-Zero for the Super Nintendo actually had a story? I thought it was just a racing game. Uh, it is, but there was a story apparently, uh, because if you were to read the the manual <laughs> for the game that came with the Super Nintendo uh, cartridge, uh, there was a comic in there that explained the story of F Zero. Well, didn't also Super Mario Brothers two and three have full stories inside their manuals? Yeah, Super Mario Bros. Which one was uh, Super Mario Bros. Three? Was uh, the one where he was in a dream? That's number two. Was it two? Number three is the one where he gets the raccoon tail. Oh yeah, he's on a stage. Number three, it's like everything's on a stage, right? Like the whole thing's a show. But number two, he he was in a dream, or Same he had game, a dream. Dude. Same game. Yeah, which one? Number three is the one with like um, the flying pirate ship. Um, the the little uh, I forget what they're called, but the wind up guys that go back and forth. You actually get Bowser in his little like cup patrol thing. Oh, you know what? I'm thinking of. Uh, hold on. Super Mario Two is the the weird dream one. Yeah, that's, that's what like, I'm saying. Super Mario Bros. Two was the one where. Yeah, but it was all a stage. He dreamt the whole thing, but it was on a stage because like when it opens up. Err... Was it Super Mario Bros. Two? Super Mario Brothers 3 might have actually been on the opening screen might have been on a stage. You're totally right. Super Mario Bros. 3. No, Super Mario Bros. 3 was the one where the whole game is on a stage. All the levels, because the ending of each level is where he runs off to the uh, the end of the stage. 
Yes. Super Mario Bros. 2 was the one where he was in uh, like the dream world. Like the story in the book was something like, uh, let me see. Is there a story in here? Plot. Mario has a dream of of a staircase leading to a mysterious door to a mysterious place. A voice identifies the world as the dreamland of uh, Subcon and asks for Mario's help in defeating the villainous frog named Mort, a tyrant who has cursed Subcon and its people. Mario suddenly awakes and decides to tell Luigi, Toad, and Princess Toadstool, who all report experiencing the same dream. The group goes on a picnic, but discovers a cave with a long staircase. Through the door at the top, they are transported to Subcon, revealing the dream has uh, dreams to have been real. After defeating Wart, the people of Subcon are freed, and everyone celebrates. Mario suddenly awakes in his bed, unsure if these events were a dream. He soon goes back to sleep. So there was a story for that game, but if you didn't have the manual, you didn't know the context of what's going on, why they're right. Right. Uh, And that was the thing about a lot of these old, you know, side scroller Nintendo games and just games in general. A lot of them just, you press start and you go. Right. I think it wasn't until like later, like when RPGs kind of became more uh, prominent, that story-based games, uh, you know, became a little bit more popular. You remember the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game for the NES? You literally just start on the streets of Manhattan. And you start fighting. <laughs> right? Nothing. Uh, you know, Turtles Through Time. An amazing, one of the best beat-em-up games for uh, Super Nintendo. But the story was literally within the first, like, 30 seconds. They're watching a newscast, and Krang takes the Eiffel Tower, or uh, the Empire State Building, <laughs> and then the Turtles go and have to get it back. All of that was, you know, we have these fond memories of these games and these stories. And as kids, like we didn't care that the story of Super Mario Bros. 3 took place on a stage. We were just playing it because we thought it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. But now we are like we're older and we I, I don't know if it's that we want to kind of reconnect with that time in our lives when you know saturday you just wanted to get up early and play video games because you can right like in the middle of winter you know nothing else going on uh you got a new game or you rented a game from blockbuster video you have seven days to beat the shit out of that game right so i i think part of it especially for nintendo stuff is that when we play these games that they they re-release like we're reconnecting with our younger selves in a sense, right? We're being brought back to a time in our lives where we didn't have to worry about paying bills and any of that stuff. The only thing was if we can beat this game before we get in trouble for spending all day inside. So I think it might be a little bit more like when I sit down and play a game now, I don't look at Nintendo games specifically to give me a story. I just don't because I know a lot of them are just pick up and play. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I can't remember what the game's called that my other half's playing right now. It's a cozy game, but she's loving the story and everything that's kind of happening with it. Stardew Valley came out on the switch. Incredible story. That's randomly generated throughout like the, the main story exists, but how you get there is, 100% up to you. You can cause problems. You can like hide shorts in the mayor's house. You can do yeah. whatever you want. 
What was the last, excuse me, what was the last game that you played on Nintendo? Any, any one. That's a Nintendo-based IP that you absolutely adored the story. You were like, this is the best story I've ever watched or played through. And like you felt like it. Like I can tell you the last real good story I played was probably God of War or... Um, I really enjoyed both Spider-Man and Miles Morales. Uh, Fallout 4 had an amazing story. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy has a pretty good story that I'm playing through right now. Those are those are games that I'm playing and I'm involved in the game. I want to know what's happening next. Jedi Fallen Order, that ending, whoo, craziness. Mm-hmm. What was mm-hmm. the last Nintendo game that gave you that? Like first party Nintendo game? Yeah, you have like six things to choose from, my guy. Like, I'll read you all the the major franchises. Animal Crossing, Fire Emblem, Kirby, Mario. To a lesser extent, Yoshi, Donkey Kong, Wario. Metroid, Pokemon, Splatoon, Star Fox, Smash Brothers, The Legend of Zelda. Xenoblade. Those are like, they're all, all their big first parties. Well, if even your answer Xenoblade, isn't... Even like Xenoblade, that's like a by a, a second party developer, right? Like it's not like a, um, like it is a Nintendo IP, but it's not, I, I wouldn't consider that like uh, a staple of Nintendo. If your answer um, isn't Star Fox Adventures or a Zelda game, <laughs> we're in a fight. Or Donkey Kong 3D. Or Donkey Kong 64, sorry. I mean, honestly, the last time I was so engrossed in a story for a Nintendo game, was probably Pokemon Blue. You're talking 20 years ago. I I know. There's I remember been better Pokemon stories since then. But here's the thing, though, is like that was uh, that game was the first of its kind, right? Um, we were in elementary school, and I remember uh, I have this fond memory sitting at my desk in my room, and I had the like we had like a little like set of shelves above the desk with like that one single fluorescent light. <laughs> yep. I <laughs> you know? know. I know that desk. We all had it. <laughs> and I remember sitting in my room, all the lights off except for that fluorescent light. And I was battling the uh, elite four or elite eight or whatever it is. Elite seven. <laughs> and getting to that final battle with your fighting. I guess it was Ash <laughs> technically. Right. Um, and, and just barely, just barely winning. I think my Pokemon had like two HP left when I got the final hit in there and just can being completely like, Oh my God, this story, this game was so amazing. I want to be the very best. And I became the very best. And you know, that was because I could just look at that screen. And I think we all had game boys where we, we were just so engrossed in that tiny screen. Like when we were focused on that, that's all we focused on. Uh, and I mean, like I've played other Nintendo games since that have had interesting stories like Super Mario Galaxy. Um, hell, like even Super Mario Odyssey, like they have great stories and the gameplay is awesome. But it was never anything that I was just like, oh, my God, I have to keep playing this game. Like, I, I, I don't know. It's just I think maybe part of it is because now that now when I'm playing games, you know, there's always something else kind of on my mind it's very difficult like to disconnect and just be like, I'm going to sit here and, 
and play this game all day and not have to worry about anything. Yeah. What about you? What was like the last game that Nintendo game that really? I don't know. Of... I was. I honestly was going to say Breath of the Wild, and then I thought about it. I was like, I liked the Odyssey story. It was different, but it was also. It wasn't super substantial. Like you can follow the bouncing ball and get to the princess. Breath of the Wild was good because you had to like you figured things out as you were playing it. It's kind of cool to follow it along and you got to learn the backstory of as to why like the um Ganon and the calamities like all occurred. And I thought that was kind of cool. Nintendo wise though, maybe maybe this is gonna like everybody played the same story. It was just how you got to the destination. Mm-hmm. But Animal Crossing could have been that, right? Animal Crossing kind of happened at the most convenient time in our lives. If you didn't have Animal Crossing in March 2020 or April 20. No, March, March, March 2020. You had one of two things going on. You didn't have a switch or you didn't care. But everybody was. And if you didn't care, you probably started. You probably started eventually caring around April because it's all anyone was playing and everyone talked about it It was it was uh um, amazing like it was if for people who played the animal crossing games before it wasn't anything different right like they implemented a few new mechanics stuff like that but the fundamentals of the game was the same but like sean was saying it came out at a time that was perfect because we needed it more than nintendo needed us and nintendo had the biggest boom that month, right? I remember to this day, we bought Animal Crossing on my Switch and my other half was playing it a lot. I was like, and we realized we couldn't have two save files. We're like, damn it, sucks. So we went out in the middle of the pandemic and I'm talking like three weeks into this thing when everything's like shut down, maybe two. It wasn't very long. But we went to every shopper's drug mart we could find, every Walmart, everywhere we could go, everywhere we could find to try and find a Switch or a Switch Mini. Didn't matter. We were buying one because that was keeping us sane. And like, at the end of the day, I could have just played my Xbox the entire time. Would have been totally fine. But it was also something we could do together because it was something that we could play and just like sit on the couch for hours because nothing else was going on. Mm-hmm. But the story was interesting. You had to like help recruit the best animals to your island while also building up the island and building up the museum and finding all the fish and finding all the bugs. And some people like me time traveled and cheated. Other people didn't, <laughs> you know, like it was all over the place. I remember we had a group chat at one point where it was like the turnip stock market and everybody was just going nuts trying to find the, the opportune time. Yeah. And what the pandemic actually taught us about Nintendo was there was more than just game re-releases, right? Obviously, that was an IP that stuck. And that was a huge one because like Animal Crossing, every five, six years, you could release one. People are hella happy. And hell, if you look at what EA has done for the last, what, 10 years, The Sims 4 is still somehow beating. Like, the heart is yeah. still beating on that game. Yeah. But we've also discovered this new found 
I don't, I don't know, appreciation of what's now considered the cozy game landscape, which is just you, your switch, a blanket, and a glass of wine. I don't know, man. For me, it's a, a glass of warm chocolate milk. Warm chalky milk and eggy <laughs> milk. But like you've got like you've got all your life sims in the this category. Mm. Disney's Dreamlight Valley seems to have have hit the right spot there. There's kind of weird games like Abzu, Witchwood, which is very popular right now. Wind well, if you, if you if you've noticed, like there there have been previous life sim type games before, right? Last um, what was the the farming one? Um, Harvest Moon. Harvest Moon. Right, that was probably one of the biggest ones until Animal Crossing originally came out on the uh, on the N six or on the GameCube. Yeah, um, but I think since the release of uh, Animal Crossing on the Switch, and a game release at a time when people were longing for con- like to connect with their friends and people outside of their household, uh, they're a lot of game developers have kind of jumped on that bandwagon, much like the battle Royale bandwagon that happened after PUBG first came out. Right. And there's only two survivors. And now there are tons of, you know, life sim games that are either out or coming out, um, on in, in multiple, like on multiple platforms, and and everything seems to come to Nintendo, and I think the Nintendo console is probably the perfect console for those types of games because, like you said, you can just hang out on your couch, have a blanket, you know, have a, a beverage of choice, and just relax and play the game. Um, Stardew Valley was a big a big one. Like, I mean, that game came out a little while ago. Talk about a game that translated to the Switch better than any sort of mobile platform ever. Mm-hmm. Stardew Valley came out quite some time ago. And uh, I remember getting it for... <laughs> I'm going to sneeze, but <laughs> there you go. It went, it went away. I remember getting the game. Um, just It was on sale on Switch. And so the one day um, I... I went on because Nintendo still hasn't figured out how to uh, gift games to other accounts. I had to secretly go on Chi who shall not be names Nintendo switch and purchase the game for her because I thought, okay, you might like it. And then next thing I know, she's put in like 250 hours in the game. Yeah. Right. Uh, Your significant other again, played Stardew Valley and put in, right. She played Stardew Valley. Yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah. you could see how long she's played if you fire up your switch. I don't have yeah. a switch in this room. I don't have mine near me. So, but um, again, like you know, these people that aren't necessarily the typical gamers, right? That didn't necessarily grow up with games or or weren't really into it as much as we were, are now the main target for these types of games, these cozy games, and I think partially for Nintendo. Even some of like their their IPs that they're re-releasing, like Super Mario Bros. Wonder, right? The new Mario Bros. The side scroller thing. It looks chaotic. It looks like it it'll be a good platformer, but at the same time, it has that like cozy nostalgia factor. Yeah. So 
I, and I think that's what kind of keeps that's what Nintendo's pulse kind of is for a lot of their IPs is that they could re- release a, a new game. Uh, well, hell, uh, Super Mario RPG is a, uh, a prime example of that. If they're oh, doing an exact remake of the Super Nintendo version, but all they're doing is updating it, literally they're selling it based off the nostalgia factor. I mean, they're also like remaking things like Advance Wars one and two, right? Like they're they're not they're not not re-releasing stuff, and mm-hmm. that's the annoying thing, and that's what we're talking about, like in general, right? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you you just jogged my memory on a point that I had earlier, and I totally lost it, and that's totally okay. Sorry, it, it's fine. I um, I just look at what Nintendo does now, and look at how. I kind of I kind of ask myself how did we get here, right? Um mm-hmm. and to more to your point, you were talking about when we were kids, we looked at that like 8-bit or that 16-bit graphic and we we know what it looked like to stare at it. But we were inside that game, right? When Pikachu used ThunderShock, we knew he used ThunderShock, right? When you're running through the Mushroom Kingdom, you know, when you were playing some of those Zelda games, you, you it, like, the castle looked cool. Everything looked cool. Yeah. Stardew Valley banks on that every single time you play it. And what's that? Um, that was, what was that RPG that you started playing not that long ago? Was it Anodyne or something? Where it was like uh, an old school 32-bit um, RPG, but you, you, you were playing through it. And you were actually telling me you were close to beating it and I didn't believe you. Chained Echoes. Chained Echoes. Yeah. I have not beat it yet. (laughs) But when you played that game, you weren't looking at an 8-bit game while you were playing it. Or a 16-bit game. No matter how hard you try, you're so engrossed into that game. Absolutely. I I think that's the one thing that's so crazy still. And the only game to my recent memory that's doing that to people on a regular basis is Stardew. Like, I know every game that you play, you feel like you're entering, right? Mm-hmm. And I know with um, uh, Dark Souls, not yep. Dark Souls. Demon was Souls? It Dark, Demon, is that what, what the last one was called? Oh, I don't know. There's so many of them that are like uh, the Souls. The Elden, Souls Ring. Like, Elden oh, Ring. Elden Ring. Yeah, same, same idea, though. Um, Elden Ring or Hogwarts Legacy as an example. Those are games where I've seen people play them. And they could just melt in it for hours and they feel like that character by the time they're done. Mm -hmm. I'm not getting that feeling anymore from Nintendo, aside from that nostalgia factor times a hundred. When they re-released, which is a common word and theme here, um, GoldenEye, Nintendo 64 GoldenEye. Mm -hmm. How many people complained about it? I know you did. Quite a, bit. a lot of people did. A lot of people did. Yes. Because the switch couldn't translate over to the 64 unless you somehow acquired one of those Bluetooth 64 controllers, which mm-hmm. don't exist. It never translated. Right. Yeah. And I think partially the problem is because Nintendo, when they released it on the switch, they, they were banking 100% on the fact that people wanted to play this game so bad. Right. And yes, they added online multiplayer for it, but at the same time, they didn't update the controls for modern controls. Whereas the Xbox version of it, there's no online multiplayer, which is strange, 
but they updated the controls for modern controls, like for, for modern first-person shooters. So there was some misses on that one, but um, I don't know. It's I think I think that's where Nintendo is, is kind of heading. And until they release a brand new IP that like is as iconic as Mario or Kirby or Zelda, like Legend of Zelda, they're going to be banking on just continuing these IPs and re-releasing old games and updating them. Right. Like uh, we got Mario plus rabbits from Ubisoft and Mario or from Ubisoft and Nintendo a few years ago. Uh, but that game was still based off of like an X, the XCOM tactical game system. Mm-hmm. Right? It was a unique uh, concept, but not a new IP in the sense of rabbits were a thing for a long time before then. And Mario was a thing for a long time before that. It was just two, two different IPs mixed together to create a, a, a new game. Um, I mean, like for Nintendo, we, we always get excited for the re-releases, right? Yeah. But again, it's because we had played these games in the past and it's like, it's giving us the opportunity to replay these games. Like, and like I said earlier, replay the games and almost see them as we remember seeing them. Like if you remember playing like a PlayStation game, <laughs> right? They were, you know, early 3D games, but we, I remember them looking amazing. You play a PlayStation game now and they look like trash. And it's like, ah, man, that's what that game looks like. Now, granted, there's going to be some variation playing it on an old CRT, like a tube TV versus modern day HD TVs. But still, the games themselves still look the same. And we remember them looking a lot better. So at least Nintendo has that advantage of having such a huge library of games and games that people still want to play and games that invoke positive memories of our childhood, right? That when they re-release a game, we're not bashing them being like, Oh, just another one. People are excited for it. All right. So what are your three favorite Nintendo titles? You don't even have to stick to switch. What are your three favorite games? From Nintendo ever. All time? All time. I would say Animal Crossing. Any particular one, or are you just saying the franchise? You know what? I like the franchise in general, but I have probably the fondest memories of Animal Crossing on GameCube. Okay. Um, and then I'm gonna say Mario Kart Double Dash. That is one of mine. (laughs) Because I have some of the best memories of playing that game in my parents' basement with my my siblings and my friends. It was great. And it's still to this day mechanically the best Mario Kart. Mm-hmm. As um, much as 8 Deluxe Ultra Super DLC is fine. And when you have when you're playing two players and you guys have your leans <laughs> in sync when you're going around turns and you get that super boost it's always super satisfying. Or you're holding on to that weapon just to be like, bam, ba, bam. Yeah, for sure. Um, third game. You know what? Honestly, uh, I don't know. 
that's a hard one because every I would say every other Nintendo like main IP I kind of like dabbled in like I've played them all but there was nothing that really stood out that I'm just like this is this is a game that I play on a regular basis like I have to play fair I would say in my case I would uh I would have said Mario Kart Double Dash um I was a fairly large fan of The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Um, for me, though, that that number one spot or like one of those games that kind of like you hold near and dear, but also for me, it was because it was like the next step or the next evolution was Pokemon Silver. So for Pokemon Red... Like I had red and then I remember my brother getting Pokemon yellow and I was so jealous because Pikachu would follow him. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think it was on Game Boy Color where red and blue were not color games. Correct. Yellow wasn't even a color game either. It was or it wasn't. I thought it did have Game Boy Color on it. It I might might be mistaken. It had some color palette. Some of like the, the later released original Game Boy games had some Game Boy Color information in it, but it wasn't actually a Game Boy Color game. And then Silver had the ability to play on your Game Boy Color or your Game Boy Advance. And it was it was in color and Silver was just like I played the absolute shit out of the game. I don't get me wrong. I also played the crap out of Pokemon X. But Pokemon Silver was probably the one like I remember sitting up at the cottage on a rainy day, just everybody's reading and I'm like, dad, give me more batteries. <laughs> so like we'd have to go into like the local giant tiger or something and, and get a pile of batteries just for for me to get my fix. It was that in comic books. And yeah. Like I think some of my fondest memories were like playing through some of those like fondest gaming memories were playing through some of those games. But we always used to play like the Mario platformers and the Donkey Kong platformers yeah. as kids. And then I'd be remiss to say like Donkey Kong 64 is still one of the greatest games of all time. (laughs) And that's why they're not going to uh, ever remake it or release another one because they know that they can't top Donkey Kong 64. I mean, it is a plausible argument that you just can't like replicate that kind of greatness. And the fact that they nodded it in the Super Mario Brothers movie proves to me that other people also believe that that game was incredible. Yeah. Can I confess something to you, Sean? You never played it? I have only ever played the first, like, little intro bit. Like, like when when you, like, swing in the vines into the forest to get to the main level? That's it? That's as far as you've gotten to that little, like, first where the, the tree's down? Maybe if if that I remember playing at my cousin's house and I remember loading up a save file and just kind of bumming around in it. But I've never actually I I have no idea what the story is for Donkey Kong 64. Same as all the other ones. First, you have to unlock all your family members. And then you got to go kill King K. Rule. Yeah, well, By that, I, I, have jump no, on him I have no knowledge or recollection of any of the level designs or anything like that. And you could get you could unlock guns. 
You're so fun. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I have nothing. <laughs> all right. Now, just to play devil's advocate, is there a game or two that you really, really enjoyed that was from a third party developer that you have like nostalgic Nintendo memories? Um, Probably Turtles in Time. Fair. I mean, and I can play that because I have the Cowabunga collection, so it's I, I can I can relive that experience. But Turtles in Time, I remember playing that with my brothers, and on the Super Nintendo, it was only a two player game. But I remember playing through that nonstop with them. We were so good at it to the point, like, because I remember we wanted to beat it on hard. Yeah, uh, and Shredder is a pain in the ass on hard, um, but. I, I do remember fondly of uh, a rainy day and we were all inside playing games and we beat finally beat super shredder on hard on turtles in time. And it was just super satisfying because especially as kids, like you, if one person, especially if you like you're playing with your siblings, right? If one person's not very good at something that they get frustrated then someone else takes over, right? You just keep going keep working together to, to succeed. Uh, but it would be, yeah, I would, I would say it would be turtles in time. That was like, you'd, you'd constantly play through um, Donkey Kong levels and you would just take turns mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to beat it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the game was the adventures of Batman and Robin. The one where like you'd fight Joker on the roller coaster and stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. That one was really, really fun. Um, for me, my top two games that were not made by Nintendo were both on the GameCube. You've been with me when I finally found one. I'm talking cell damage. My brother and I played the absolute shit out of that game. I know it came out for PlayStation and Xbox, but that to me is like a core memory in gaming. And I wasn't allowed to have Grand Theft Auto when I was a kid. Right? A lot of us. Yeah, were. no, we weren't. I did get the Simpsons hit and run though. Yeah. And the Simpsons road rage, but the Simpsons hit and run was like this chef's kiss of a game. It was everything. It was Homer being silly. It was Bart saying, don't have a cow, man. I still think to this day, it might be one of the best games. I wouldn't say it's one of the greatest of all time, but it's in like the a tier of games, not S tier. It's in an a tier of games. Mm hmm for no matter what console it came out on. Now, so, if they release an HD version of uh, Simpsons Hit and Run, are you going to get that? A thousand percent. <laughs> that, like, that's not even close. So like, if they re- were to release a HD version of Simpsons Hit and Run and a remake HD version of Donkey Kong Country 64, which one are you getting? Do I only get to get one? Yeah, you only have... I've given you a crisp hundred dollar bill and both games are on sale. So after tax, they come to both exactly one hundred dollars. Ninety nine ninety eight. And they can't give yeah, people don't give change anymore because pennies yeah, don't exist. Exactly. Oh, that's a tough one because like I would assume and like rumor is out there that a hit and run remake slash new content is coming. Okay, but we're we're playing hypotheticals here. Like if if these are the two options, is it, Run, is, they're both remakes. Correct. So based like all based off of the original, the original game content and uh, updated controls and 
for oh for you just you just changed my mindset. So I was gonna say unequivocally it was gonna be Simpsons hit and run because there's no way in hell Donkey Kong's control scheme will <laughs> ever fair. transfer over. Yeah. Ever. And like I still think even if you updated the controls, that game was so perfect on the 64 that I just would have to lean towards the Simpsons hit and run. You got okay. to kick people, man. Yeah, that's true. But well, that's that's fair. And and that is it for this one. Did we miss your favorite game? Did we did we talk trash about the fact that you love a game more than we do? Are you so nostalgia happy that you will buy every single copy of every single game that's remade because you can? Let us know in the comments. Let us know on our Instagram. Just let us know. For myself. Wow, he's a very nice. And David. That Hansel's so hot right now. We want to thank you both. Or thank you all, not both. We want to thank you all for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Xenon Screen Podcast.